That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 225 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio, and thanks for giving the episode a listen. And in this episode, we're going to be jumping into the first of the 18 preview episodes for 2023. And I uh, will be sitting down in just a moment to chat with David Lloyd from the Corn the Pear podcast as we preview the Port Adelaide Power for 2023. David's been a great friend of the podcast and uh, cannot wait to share his thoughts with you. Don't forget, folks, if you are interested in getting your local footy club getting a shout-out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note over at my website, yankonthefooty.com, or shoot me an email at yankonthefootygmail.com, or reach out to me on any of my socials. They're all listed in the show notes. Love being able to give shout-outs to the local clubs. Helps me learn a little bit about where everything is across the continent. And today's club of the episode, and this was one that was recommended by David, are the Lockleys Football Club of the Adelaide Football League. The Demons were founded in 1951, and in 1979, they merged with Torrensville United. And amongst the alum of the Demons, uh, you have the the Crows' Ebony Marinoff, uh, former Port player Jimmy Tumpas, who played, I believe, 27 games with Port Adelaide, and Port's 2022 draft pick Tom Scully. The club is going to be hosting their 2023 season launch on the 31st of March from 5 until 9 p.m. at the Lockleys Oval. And I wish the Demons the absolute best of luck this year, and I hope they have a fantastic 2023. Now let's go ahead and jump into my chat with David Lloyd as we preview the Port Adelaide Power and see if they can start a little stronger than they did in 2022. We all know how that went for them. I have a feeling it's going to go better for them this time around. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled to be welcoming back to the podcast the co-host of the Corn the Pear podcast, Mr. David Lloyd, is joining us. David is back again this year to preview his beloved Port Adelaide Power for 2023, and fingers crossed, the year starts a little better than last year. How you doing, David? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, look, I certainly hope it starts better than it did last year, although we much like last year, got a fairly tough uh, start to the season. But uh, yes. yeah, um, couldn't couldn't be any worse than the first five weeks of last year when we didn't register a win. So yeah, it's good to have 2022 behind us. And it was it was interesting because, you know, you started out 0-5 and then you won seven out of the next nine to get back to level. And it's, uh, it is a, uh, you know, it's, you, it, it kind of gave you hope thinking, okay, maybe we're going to get this thing turned around and it didn't quite work out. You know, you had a little bit of a tailspin again, I think where they lost three in a row, um, you know, before closing out with a couple wins at the end of the season. But, you know, this is, I think we can both agree. And I think most people would agree. This is too talented a side to scuffle as much as they did at the outset, like they did last year. 
Yeah, agreed. And then and then that seven of nine that you mentioned, um, we we kind of felt like we were chasing our tail every week when the ball got bounced every week. It sort of the the feeling was that um, it it was do or die every week. And when you when you're doing that for an extended period of time, um, has to take its toll, I guess, on the playing group. And it it did over over that course. And then as you said, just after the bye, when we we dropped three in a row, um, all genuine contenders that we we lost to. Um, but yeah, that uh, I think that was um, a result of the the scampering to get back to to sort of level pegging at the bye. But uh, mm-hmm. ultimately, yeah, ultimately weren't good enough for long enough. And um, yeah, I agree. Um, the squad uh, certainly suggests we should be uh, having finals action at the end of the year, and uh, and we didn't fell fell fairly well short uh, in twenty twenty two. But yeah, optimistic about the year ahead. Yeah, and and had some had some significant changes uh, this year. Um, you know, bringing in the number one pick of the draft a year later, but still bringing him in nonetheless. And Jason Horn Francis, what what are your expectations for him this year? Because you know he's he's back home. Is there more pressure on him well, being home now? Yeah, look, I think there is, um, as well as um, being the number one pick and and only spending a year with the the club that drafted you, and and then asking to to head home. Um, uh, the you know the the certainly the social media surrounding it was questioning his durability and his uh, his ticker, as we say mm-hmm. here in Australia, or his heart. Um, right, right. But. Um, and then I guess also the, the the question was also you know North Melbourne drafting him. What sort of due diligence did they do around him um, and and his willingness to to move? And was he completely honest in that whole process? So um, it's fair to say his his character has been brought into question. And mm-hmm. I, I can't say that I disagree with with that being challenged because um, he was a you know prodigious talent as a as a junior. He was by far and away the best. Um, player in that that draft year mm-hmm. um, was always going to be in the top couple and and most likely the number one pick from from many months beforehand um, to then um, yeah just twelve months later albeit in a very difficult environment at North Melbourne where coaches sacked mid year and then um, a lot of uh, you know toing and froing with who the new coach will be and then Alistair Clarkson the the coach of the generation coming in yeah yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, the the pressure is on. What's my expectations for him? Well, uh, he has had a little bit of post season surgery, so he had um, some surgery on both of his legs. Actually, he had some vascular issues behind his knees, which were causing a bit of pain. So some circulation type issues. Um, last week, uh, sorry, early this week, when the uh, the players returned from their Christmas break, he started running. So he's back running. Um, be That's another good. week or two before he's anywhere near full training. So I'd expect by the end of January, he'd be into full training. Uh, is that enough time to be ready for round one come March? I would expect so. Um However, uh, is he in our best twenty-two? Well, look, if he's fit and ready to go, yes, he is. I would say um, I would say you almost have to to get him out there. You know, I, I agree. Would, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think that'll actually release a bit of pressure if he can get out on the field. If he uh, if he has to play a game or two in the SANFL to to get some match fitness, I think that'll only build the pressure of when it does eventually get released right, right um i think i think ideally being a home game as well our first game at home i think if they can have him ready for them uh i think that would be ideal it's it's uh it's a good thing that they didn't uh 
didn't send the port down to uh, Launceston to play the ruse in round one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the uh, uh, I guess there's a bit of romance in that. Um, so yeah. uh, it, it might have been interesting. We don't get them till about round eight or nine, I think. So um, there's a little bit of a wait, which you'd expect uh, he would be uh, ready for. And that, that one is actually uh, away down in Launceston, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah for the Port Faithful, they don't get to uh, be behind him. But, um, yeah, I'm sure he'd be looking forward to that. I think he's a pretty competitive person. So he'd be looking and forward to that game. And the thing is, he's only 19. He's only 19 Correct. years old. This is this is not somebody, and again, as we were talking about off air, I'm going to be 60 very soon. So far be it for me to, uh, you know, to to say much about age. I always joke with my kids that when they, I tell them, I say, when they, in class, I say, when you get to be my age, please send me a postcard. And then every once, every yeah. once in a while, I get a smart alecky kid and say, where the hell should we send it? <laughs> yeah, that's be right. Around. <laughs> well, and, and, and uh, one of the things with, um, what I've mentioned earlier about his perhaps his character being drawn into question. He may also be the um, the first of many uh, high draft picks to put his hand up early and say, "Look, I do want to go home." Um, mm -hmm. Quite often, quite often players serve their three years or maybe do three or four years, and then you know whispers start to to build. and And we'll use the the classic case of Patrick Dangerfield. He he did his time here in Adelaide, but it was fairly clear when his last season that he was he was heading back to Geelong. Um, potentially, Jason Horn for. Uh, Francis might be the um, the first of many to to actually put his hand up and say, "Look, I'm not happy here. I do want to go home," and uh, might actually be a, a bit of a groundbreaker for for younger players going forward, particularly those high picks, where the pressure is obviously greater. You know, you, you get taken at pick 42, and two years later you ask to go home. No one really knows. Right. Right. Um, he he could also be the the first of many, and perhaps yeah, a groundbreaker for those top end picks to say, look, um, I'm happy to have been drafted, but it's not where I want to be. Well, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, what happens with him because, you know, this, you know, he, if he is healthy and if he's in the right mindset, I think, and as, as I mentioned, I think he's going to be even under more pressure being back home because it's now going to be, okay, we got you here. Prove it to us that you should be here. Cause we gave up a lot of assets to get you. I mean, he's right. going to have he's going to have a great deal of pressure on him, but he's got a, a, a terrific veteran side around him as well. He's got a lot of experience on that side that's that's going to be there to you know to help to guide him through. Which you know he didn't necessarily have a lot of that with with uh, North Melbourne because North Melbourne being a relatively young side. He's also coming to a, a club that's under a lot of pressure from the top down. Um, we've uh, we've made some inroads into our, our debt profile over the last mm -hmm. few years, albeit I think we've made some cuts across different levels, across the coaching staff and um, member support services and the like uh, post-COVID. We, we've made some cuts, which has increased our, our profit come the end of the year, and we've been able to reduce our debt, but... There's little doubt that on field, the uh, the pressure gauge has probably never been higher at, at, at Alberton for Ken Hinckley going into his 11th year without a grand final. And um, basically in his last year of his contract, um, a, a rough start to the year 
you know, if, if we're Norton five, I'm pretty sure um, Ken Hinckley won't be the coach in round six. Um, okay. So not only is he under a bit of individual pressure, he's also uh, he's also come to a club that's got the spotlight on it in a two team town um, mm-hmm. where the where we're under the most pressure in uh, in this uh, part of the country. Which you know yeah, you so can they- you could make the argument though that 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 Port is and and. and- if you're an Adelaide supporter that's listening to this, you're probably going to be angry at me at, at this moment in time. But you can make the argument that on paper, Port is a better side than Adelaide. Yeah, I think most people would expect uh, Port to finish higher up the ladder, mm-hmm. albeit uh, while we're on them. I think Adelaide will be one of the better improvers this year. I think their drafting's been pretty good and I think their development's going okay. They'll, mm-hmm. They will improve. Um, but I'm not sure they go from sort of that five or six wins to 12 or 13. But right, right. yeah, I think most, most people would expect uh, uh, Port to uh, to finish higher. And also, uh, as you said, the the list, um, you'd, you'd think most people would take Port Adelaide's list ahead of Adelaide right at this point in time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes, but the pressure's on, uh, yeah, off-field, on-field and individually for, for young Horn Francis. Well, and it's, you know, and you, you've got some, you've got some, you've got some spots that you need to fill. I mean, you're, you're replacing Robbie Gray, which is not going to be easy to do. Whoever goes into that spot, you know, um, Carl Amon's gone to Hawthorne and, uh, you know, um, Stevie Motlop is now playing, I believe he's playing up in uh, the Northern Territories now. Correct. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's a you know, he was in Geelong when I first started watching the, the game and he, he was, he was a player that quite often would get maligned by, supporters because you know they maybe expected more from him that you know there were times where maybe he disappeared during the course of the game but then he would he would you know, pop up and have a you know a three or four goal game you go can he do that every week you know but yeah. it's but, and, and uh, uh, much maligned is is the perfect way to sum up Stephen Motlop's career and and I think anyone who gets to 200 AFL games shouldn't be maligned at all you've, no, you've proven your worth um, you don't absolutely. get there by by fluke uh, yeah. however and I, and I think a lot of players who play his role, and it's often commented that the high half forward role is one of the hardest roles to play. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, the demand on getting up and down the ground is is higher than um, than many of the other roles on on the field, even midfield roles. Um, the the pressure that you apply around the forward line, and yeah, um, Motlop, yeah, he would be. Um, yeah, if there's a defining character over the course of the the modern AFL um, era, uh, much maligned, um, I think Stephen Motlop probably is the yeah. the poster boy poster boy for that. Yeah, yeah, and um, has moments of absolute brilliance, and mm-hmm. then uh, yeah, as you said, disappears. But yeah, the, I think it's the the consistency people wanted to see more of the in between. Um, and uh, yeah, he, he wasn't able to deliver that. But I guess, as I said, 200 AFL games, you, you don't get there by chance. Yeah, exactly. That's that's you. You don't. Uh, you don't. Not give that person the 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 credit or uh, is respect the right word, but the, the credit that they deserve for having had that lengthy of a career. You know, it's correct. You, you just got to tip your cap to them. And what what you said about trying to replace Robbie Gray, whilst um, he is irreplaceable, um, probably the in the top three. Um, Port Adelaide players at AFL level that we've ever had, in in my view, um, we've certainly gone fairly hard to replace him by getting uh, Junior Rioli from mm-hmm. the West Coast Eagles. Um, we've brought him across, who um, very similar role, plays that small forward uh, goal kicking role, and also picked up um, uh, Francis Evans, the delisted free agent from Geelong, who uh, was fairly. Um, 
down the pecking order there at Geelong and and rightly so with the the small forward um fleet that Geelong have at this point in time but right right um yeah we've so we we've certainly put a focus i think on that area um so Rioli's come in um Evans has come in we've also uh, almost like getting a new player um Ratio Fantasia he didn't play a game at all last year um was sub one game but unused he um he basically comes back into the team and throw in Horn Francis, who can also play in that sort of forward role if needed. Um, we've, we've certainly put a focus on replacing Gray and Motlop by bringing those guys in. Well, I, I I don't know if we should take the blame for Fantasia because last year he was one of the, the negative trivia questions, you know, was who had the lowest disposal efficiency percentage for the club, and, and it was him. So he, <laughs> previous, in yeah, we, we, we so. might have put the, the mozzer on him, as we say, yeah. <laughs> So you were talking about the, uh, the, the first five games of the season and, uh, it, it is, I, you know, I, I'm going to go back to my, uh, my days of, and I still will put on a, an episode every once in a while of watching Monty Python's flying circus, where they were building the, uh, the, the guy who was building the apartment flats, but it was actually turning it into an abattoir and, you know, having the people walking, you know, coming into the apartment building and going through the flying knives and that sort of thing. But you, you know, you're starting off with Brisbane. Okay. Yep. And then you got Collingwood. Yeah. And then and then the, the crosstown rivals with Adelaide. And then you got oh the the, the other club that was in the uh, grand final, and then the Bulldogs. Yep. I, I, the league did not do you guys any favors whatsoever. They didn't say, hey, let's just see if we can maybe avoid that other that 0 and 5 thing that you did there. That you and and I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but this club is gonna have to work their butts off which they're certainly capable of doing to, yep. to, to, to be above, you know, level after the first five games. Absolutely. Look, I, I've, I've had a look at the, uh, basically our draw up until the buy. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I, I, I sort of have a six or seven wins and six or seven losses. And the, the two that I've got is sort of 50, 50 through that first run is the Bulldogs and Adelaide where, we we really need to capitalize on those two games mm-hmm. um with teams either expected to be below us or around us right right um brisbane is going to be a very tough task um perhaps we can ambush them early in the year uh, and get that that first win collingwood and sydney away will be both very difficult so i think in that first five we we really need to obviously want to win all of them but the 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 game against adelaide and the bulldogs are, are critical we we need to to put both of those away hopefully potentially snaffle one of the other three and sort of be two and three or three and two at that mm-hmm. at that turn because our our next few weeks opens up for us with west coast st kilda essendon and north melbourne after that so right right sort of three sides particularly west coast essendon and north melbourne expected to be right down the bottom end of the ladder and st kilda struggling perhaps with a little bit of injury to key players early so the first five will be difficult. The pressure will certainly be on. As I said, the the pressure on the coach is uh, as much as I can remember in my living memory on a on a coach of my club, um, and and also the pressure on the executive who have uh, decided to to keep him um, not only right. last year but this year. Um, the chief executive and the and the board uh, will certainly be uh, under pressure. There's a, a fair portion of our our supporter base that already has them in the gun and and thinks they've uh, 
they've mismanaged the uh, the club over the last year or two, particularly on the coaching front. And given uh, given where we're at, and given our our lack of success at the at the very end of the year, it's it's hard to argue against that. I'm a bit more uh, a bit more pragmatic about things, and under, you know, sort of see it's a tough competition and prelim finals. They're hard to get to, and they're even harder to win. So mm-hmm. last year last year was disappointing, but I think our not only our start, obviously, and that was our own doing, but we were also we were, we were decimated by injury across the mm-hmm. year to to parts of our our list. I think that are probably a little thin. Our losing our number one ruckman for the year, Scott Lysette, was um, damaging to our our big man stocks. Jeremy Finlayson came in and in his first year at the club did a remarkable job. Yeah, he and, did. Uh, yeah, played uh, played I guess um, out of his um, out of position, if you like, and. Uh, albeit did it quite successfully. Um, and Aaliyah, Aaliyah, Aaliyah hurt himself uh, in that first game up in Brisbane. And then when he did come back, I think it was in about round three or four, uh, it was clear that he was playing under some duress. And and as I said earlier, that that desperation that we showed for several weeks pre the bye, um, part of that, I think, was was witnessing um, Aaliyah at his... Nowhere near his physical best. And, well, uh, and you know, you didn't, get, you didn't get Charlie Dixon until round 11 last year. Correct, and then yeah. Yeah, and, and Charlie Dixon. So our our big man stocks were were really hit quite hard. Um, Tom Cleary, um, one of our key defenders, he was he was uh, out early, and Trent McKenzie, um, he hurt himself up in Brisbane and somehow managed to play the next couple of weeks. But I think that was probably on the back of Aaliyah, uh being out of the side. Right. Uh, McK- McKenzie um, quite graphically hyperextended his knee very late in that Brisbane game, but played on the next two weeks, and I think that was purely to get uh, Aaliyah back into the team. And then uh, he went out with injury. So, yeah, it, yeah we, we got a bit desperate after Brisbane away was acceptable. You understand that loss, but Hawthorne ambushed us here in Adelaide and um, gave us a real hiding by 11 goals. And then um, the uh, the cruel twist of fate with uh, Jordan Dawson kicking the after the siren goal um, mm-hmm. in the uh, the first showdown. From there, it was, yeah, we, we were playing clearly playing guys that were underdone and uh, injury certainly played a role in our, our 2022 season, but um, you can't blame that because yeah. everyone right, has right. injuries. And I mean, I'm looking at, you know, you know, Durzema only played half the season last year as well. I mean, yes, you, you yeah, had, he, he broke yeah. his, he broke his collarbone in Brisbane and again, played the next two games clearly under duress. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I almost have to, I almost have to tip my and this is this may not be what you want to hear, but I almost have to tip my cap to Ken Hinckley for you know the ship taking on water for the first five weeks and then getting the ship righted at with all of these players that were out and getting them back to level at seven and seven, you know, and and it didn't it didn't continue because you know Charlie Dixon was not Charlie Dixon last year. He what even yeah. though he was back out there, that was that was not what you would think of as quintessential Charlie Dixon out there playing. He, he's, he scuffled quite a bit last year. It looked like, as you said, he was undercooked most of the season. Yep. Yep. Uh, look, and I, I think, um, as I said, for the, for those of us that are a little more pragmatic about things, um, you can't question, uh, Hink, Ken Hinkley not having the players, uh, clearly the, the players love him because they, at no point did they, they give in. It would have been, would have been fairly easy at Norton Five to throw the towel in and and say, look, we're we're mm-hmm. done, um, and and the passion right. disappear. 
Right. But he seemingly week after week managed to get them up, get them up. It was that little tough run, as I said, post the bye where we had, um, I think it was um, Richmond, Geelong, Collingwood from memory three weeks in a row and lost all three. Um, and that was that was probably the end of our season. But we, again, didn't give up. We, we sort of boxed on and, and won a few towards the end of the year to... I think we missed the missed the eight by uh, by two games. So yeah, they didn't give in. And I, when I mentioned the executive being under pressure before, I think they they could lean on that and say, look, you know, the clearly the players still love him. Clearly the players still play mm-hmm. for him. Um, the evidence is they that they didn't throw the towel in at any point last year and 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 fought on. So, but yeah, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure on uh, the coach and the playing group. And you know they. You know, for a club that did not make finals this year, you you besides the first five weeks, your draw is still not that. You know, looking at the clubs that you're playing twice, you know they've added a 23rd game now, so you have another double up. You know, of course you've got yep. Adelaide, but you got you got Collingwood, you've got Geelong, you've got Richmond, you've got the Bulldogs, all top eight sides, and then Essendon, who many people might make the same argument that Essendon underperformed very similarly to what Port did this past year. Yeah, so, they they yeah. probably got a bit of a release with with the change of coach with yeah. uh, Brad Scott coming in. So, yeah, and and that may revitalise them. Um, quite often we we see sides that potentially underperform and don't quite get the 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 uh, performance that they're they're looking for, and have a change of coach and get a little little lift. So yes, and then probably one of the the unknowns a little bit in twenty twenty three because they. Um, they may have the ability to bounce back and and find themselves in a position they weren't in last year. Well, and 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 you know, Port Essendon, in many ways, could if, if you're somebody who enjoys you know goal kicking, it could be must must see TV with you know with Peter Wright and Todd Marshall. You know, yep, it's, yep. Uh, I mean, it's, both both attacking sides. They yeah, both like to yeah. score fairly heavily. I, I think Brad Scott might be a little more defensive minded than Ben Rutten was, but yeah, both uh, both sides look to score, and yeah, well look. Um, Todd Marshall was certainly one uh, I had in my notes here to discuss. He um, absolute breakout season in 2022, and potentially that was on the back of Charlie Dixon missing um, as much footy as he did. Um, Todd Marshall became the focal point, and his uh, his kicking for goal was was very efficient. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's one player who can. He only needs to elevate himself a little more, and he'll take himself into the real upper echelon of key forwards in the game if he can go from that 45 goals this year to sort of 55 60 mm-hmm. he so, uh, he he does then become one of the the real star forwards of the game so who do you, who do you see uh yeah you know, we talked a little bit about Rioli we talked about you know Jason or Francis uh Francis Evans maybe it's one of them but who do you see pushing their way into the 22 that that hasn't been there who are who are you waiting to actually make that splash and just get in there and take that position and tell the coach you don't need to put anybody else's name on on the uh, the oval on the magnets here? This yeah. is my spot. Excuse me. Well, I, I think um, uh, the the chap we uh, young lad Josh Sin that we recruited in the twenty twenty one trade period, um, we traded up quite heavily, gave up a, a bit of draft capital to to jump up the order. And um, I think it was about pick 12 or 13. We took him at in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, he's a long kicking left foot wingman um, much in the mold of Carl Amon. 
so a, a position has sort of opened up for him to uh, to come into the side. But two players I've met, I've got notes here that I, I I would like to see elevate themselves from sort of being that twenty first or twenty second player picked on a on a weekend is uh, Miles Bergman and Kane Farrell. Miles um, Bergman played a lot of games last year and became a, a regular member of the team, but he was sort of a Mr. Fix-It, um, played across half-back through the wing, mm-hmm. uh, but never really established himself in a position and said, this one's mine. Um, I think he has the ability to, to do that in our, our outside midfield mix. And Kane Farrell, um, I'm a big rap for this kid. I, I think we may have spoken about him previously, and I know on our pod I've certainly mentioned him. His skills are exquisite. His left foot is as good as is in the game, I think. And if he can go from being a sort of 10 to 14 possession player to a 18 to 22 touches per week and um, get forward of centre, um, he, he he chips the ball from outside 50 through the goals. He's... he's um, his skills by foot are what we need. I think entering our forward half, our our midfield's always had the ability to get the ball in. It's never been with much efficiency. And I think he's one of the guys along with Bergman who can help us go to that next level by by increasing our efficiency forward to centre. And yeah, Kane Farrell's probably the, the spotlight player for me this year. Okay. Okay. It's, uh, you know... You know, I, I think this is going to be a, a much more successful club this year than last year, even though we're having to run that gauntlet there. But what what is your what's your bold prediction for the club this year? What's the thing that you're you're getting ready to go pound the table and say this is going to happen? Nobody else is thinking it, but I think this is going to happen. I think Dan Houston might become one of the elite midfielders in the game. I think uh, uh, he went from. Uh, halfback with really good skills to midfield last year. Um, from what I've seen of him this summer, he, he looks to have taken his fitness to another level. Um, he's gone from sort of having that um, uh, that that player who looks like they're fit to a player who now looks really fit, um, has has taken his, his fitness and his body shape to another level. Mm-hmm. And I think um, he, he finished third in our best and fairest last year. And I think um, he's got the ability to, to really elevate himself into a, an elite midfielder. And again, with his ball use, um, I, I think the club will be uh, expecting big things out of Dan Houston. I think his role will become basically the, the, the role that Travis Bokes played for many years and Houston, I think, is the the heir apparent to that role. That sort of a little bit in inside, a little bit outside, uh, and getting up and down the ground and and becoming a real endurance runner. Um, I, I think he's the player that I I think has the ability to go from a a good player to a to a really elite player in the competition. So I think Dan Houston taking the next step. Okay. Have you, Have you thought about? Well, before I ask you about the the top four, who you see coming into or sliding out of the eight, let me ask you this question first, okay? Is Ken Hinckley the senior coach for the Port Adelaide Power in 2024? Uh, not without a grand final appearance. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't I don't think finals will save him. I think if we if we do play finals football, um, I don't think that'll be enough to to save him. Uh, or, or to extend his deal. Um, albeit, I think he's got a very shrewd manager. Um, every time his, uh, his contract's been up for renewal, um, albeit at, at times where it perhaps hasn't looked like he's going to get an extension, he's been able to negotiate one. So I think, um, 
yeah, I, I think it would be um, grand final or or bust for for Ken Hinckley in twenty twenty three. So who do who are you seeing in your top four, and who do you think maybe sliding out of the eight from last year, and who do you think might be jumping into the eight from that's not that wasn't there last year? Well, I I I, I think there's little doubt that Geelong obviously are, are still the team to beat and and very much will be. Um, albeit Melbourne finished second on the ladder and and had a fairly unsuccessful final season, I think they're they're very much in the mix there. I think recruiting Brody Grundy's been a a masterstroke for them. I think they'll um they'll very much uh, uh, be uh, be high up there. Um, Brisbane again, um, their recruiting's been very good. I think they'll um they'll find themselves right in the very pointy pointy end. But mm-hmm. the one I the, the slider I. I actually made a fairly bold prediction the other day. I, I think Collingwood could potentially even slide right out of the eight. I think wow. their, their 2022 season was was on the back of um, so many close wins. Mm-hmm. Um, um, momentum is a, a, a wonderful thing, and it, in a in a season, and there's little doubt that they had momentum like we've rarely seen before. Um, their ability to snap. Uh, snatch victory from the jaws of defeat were, was <laughs> uncanny, uncanny throughout 2022. And I think those eight or nine games that they won sort of under two goals, you only need to lose four or five of those and, and you, you're very much back in the pack. Yeah. Cause they and were, think, they yeah. were top, they were top four and their percentage was only 104.3. Correct. You know, it's, so it's I, a... I, I think they could potentially be the, the, the real slider. Um, and I think from jumping up, whilst obviously I hope Port Adelaide make their way back. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, I, I that's think, fair enough. I think uh, I think Richmond will jump back in into the mix as well. I think they're uh, they're recruiting, getting the uh, two guys from uh, from GWS mm-hmm. um, puts a little bit of youth back into their midfield, which was yeah. was lacking. Uh, Hopper and Taranto that gives them a a real boost, and I think they've they've probably got that core of senior players who've tasted the ultimate success, much like Geelong, who uh, who've gone. We're probably running out of opportunities. We need to make the most of them. I, I think Richmond will be the the riser for me. So yeah, the, my slider will be Collingwood, and my riser will be Richmond. So for all the Collingwood okay. and Richmond fans listening out there, uh, yeah, they're there the you two. Go. Yeah. So. Uh... Before we jump into the uh, into the trivia questions that I have for you, where where can people? I, I know you've said that the, the the podcast took a little bit of a hiatus, but you're planning on getting back to it. But where can they find? Where can people find Corn the Pear? Yeah, so you can find us on. Uh, bear with me while I get the app back up. I do apologize. That's okay. Um, we, as I said, we had a little bit of a. Um, Little bit of a break, our uh, Tom, uh, the uh, the brains behind our operation, uh, and uh, he had a very busy year last year and welcomed his first child into the world. So, uh, the Spreaker app, S P E S P R E A K E R, Spreaker, um, or you can have a look on the socials on Facebook and then Twitter, Corn the Pear. C O R N the Pear P E A R. Bit of okay. a, a take on. Uh, uh, Khan the pair that I guess most uh, fans might yell out while they're at the footy. So yeah, corn the pair, have a look on the socials, Twitter and Facebook. Um, I do a little blog every week after the game, do a little write up on our Facebook page. So any Port fans that are keen to get on board, have a look at corn the pair and you'll see a little uh, summary post game. Um, hopefully uh, more positive this year than negative. Okay. And I, 
I, I neglected to ask you this. You know, I apologize, but you were my you were my first uh, preview episode this year. So I'm all just I'm not discombobulated. I just hadn't scrolled on enough on my list yet. But what yeah. is what is the end of the year headline for Port Adelaide? What's 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 it going to say in the paper in Adelaide once their final game is played this year? Ah, uh, well, I, I hope it relates to uh, the finals action. But I, as I said, I, given that, I think it's probably a a grand final or uh, or a change of head coach. Um, I, I think regardless of of what happens, unless we uh, taste the ultimate success, I think the headline will uh, relate to uh, you know, no, we can or no, we can't. Um, I think uh, it'll be it'll be surrounding Ken Hinckley and his future either okay. way. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Are you ready for a few trivia questions before we wrap up? Well, I hope so, and I hope not to have any egg on my face. We'll see how we okay. go. Okay. Well, well, I'll, I, I, I did a little bit of research actually this morning before school, so uh, we'll start. We'll start off with what I think is an easy one. Okay. Todd Marshall led the club with forty-five goals in twenty twenty-two. Who was second with twenty-four goals? Ooh. I think it may have been Mitch Georgiades who finished off the year pretty well with some some goals, but uh, um, uh, yeah, you've you've got me there. Um, it uh, uh, it may have been uh, <laughs> uh, Sam Palpepper potentially. There you go. Uh, <laughs> he uh, spent a bit of time forward late, so yeah, um, yeah. Um, he seems to have found himself a spot forward as well. I think young Sam. I, 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 he's he's another one of those players that that he's he's Motlop esque, where sometimes he disappears yeah. and then sometimes he just explodes and he's everywhere. It's I think just, he's also one of those one of those young men who um, uh, perhaps in in his whole world, not just his football world, was was sort of at a at a loose end, um bit of talk early in the last few years about him heading back to Western Australia and mm-hmm. perhaps wanting to go home. Um, he's now settled here with a partner and a, and a little girl that uh, um, looks as though he's, he's found his place in the world. And I think um, quite often that those, those guys that are in their early to mid twenties that are, are not sure what the future holds for them and, and football is their whole life, the pressure right. they put on themselves. I think when they get a little bit of balance, perhaps out of football and and have a focus away from the game, might bring them sort of back into a better frame of mind for the game. And I think, yeah, there, there's little doubt that Sam Pepper is certainly um, uh, one of those players who looks in a better place now than uh, than he's been for a long time. That that's good news. That's good news. So, who led the club in the total number of tackles this year? And uh, I will give you a hint: he led the club in tackles in 2021 as well. Well, I uh, it would either be Willem Drew or Ollie Wines. I would have thought on the inside there. So Willem Drew, yeah, interesting player for us because I think um, his role is very defined, uh, and and there's very few clubs have I guess the old run with or the the old tagger as we Mm -hmm. would say. Um, Very few clubs play a tagger or a run with player. However, I think he's. His uh, his average disposals is in the low twenties as well, so I think he's got the ability to to become a, a very good ball winner as well as that defensive uh, stopper that he does uh, does very well. Okay, um, and and it's interesting. He had 112 last year, which was actually 52 less than the previous year, but he led wow. the club with with like 50 percent fewer tackles. 
I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, which uh, and perhaps uh, the midfield mix was a little different last year. Yeah, it's uh, all right. My next one who led the club in meters gained per game in 2022? This is the largest number that I think I have seen 500.4 meters gained per game average. Well, my first guess would be Carl Amon. Um, he he, he win, wins a lot of the ball, but. When you say per game, uh, puts a little bit of a twist on it because it may have been someone who didn't play very many games, but uh, uh, let me had go a lot check, of let me, che- let me check on that for you here real quickly before I uh, I'll tell you how many games he played. Uh, in twenty twenty two, he played all twenty two games. Yeah, so that uh, so so Carl Amon would be my first guess. Um, however, I could also throw in uh, potentially Dan Houston as well. He's uh, a fairly attacking player, or, or if I haven't got it, Ryan Burton maybe defensively uh, played all it the is, games. It and, is Ryan uh, Burton. Yep. Yep. It is. So third, uh, third shot there. That's not bad. First year that Burton's really, well, probably two years in a row, Burton's really been able to get his body right. Had a lot of soft tissue injuries over his career. And uh, yeah, he uh, really elevated himself last year. Now, uh, let's see here. Besides Adelaide with 27 wins, which club has Port defeated the most times? That one, I will, I know it's not North Melbourne, which most people are go to given their recent record but north melbourne uh really uh had the wood on us for a long time through <laughs> the uh through the early 2000s whilst we were at the pointy end and they were at the other end they still managed to beat us mm-hmm. um uh i think st kilda might be the team that we that is uh, right we, with 20 we beat on a regular basis 23 wins yep with 23 wins now this this one i was surprised by this one who is the only port player this year that has the opportunity to play his 200th game. I did see on our socials, they had some updates and uh, it was, uh, I didn't actually dive into it, but uh, I know Charlie Dixon was on the cover page. So I'm wondering if it's Charlie Dixon. It is. It is. And had he been healthy all of last year, he's at 189 games. He would have played his 200th last he year would have made- in, in uh, round 23. The last game of the season. Yep. 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 Now, um, last year, Alir Alir led the club in uh, time on ground percentage, but it was not him last year. This person played all 22 games. Who spent the most, who spent the highest percentage of the time on ground last year? I would think it's either the captain, Tom Jonas. That's who or... it is. Yep. 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 So, yeah. Are... A, um, I'm I'm happy with the quiz so far. I uh, <laughs> I might have had to might have had to work my way through a couple of the answers, but I'm I'm happy I've got to the uh, the right outcome each time. Well, uh, I I yeah. will I I will I promise I will never tell anybody back with the first question that I pointed to my bald head when it was the <laughs> Sam Powell Pepper answer. Okay, I, I I will not tell people that. I thought it was our oh, little I think secret, I darling. I think I think I just did tell them. <laughs> I thought it was okay. our secret. <laughs> I've got I've got three three more questions for you here. Uh, Excellent. We have to we have yeah we have to ask the Fantasia question. We know it's not him, but who had the lowest disposal efficiency percentage for the year last year? That uh, 
that might be a little surprising one for us. I, I'm going to go across someone across half back, either either perhaps Darcy Byrne Jones or Riley Bonner. Um, both of them get a lot of the ball, but have that pressure mm-hmm. across half back. Um, if it's neither of those, you've probably got me stumped. Okay. Um, or potentially either Drew or Wines in the middle, given the, the, the inside ball use is more difficult than out. So, yeah, if I haven't got him in those four, you've, nope. you've got me stumped there. That, that was, again, Sam Paul Pepper at 65%. Wow. Well, yeah, I, 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 yeah that, that one certainly had me stumped. I'd, yeah, you tend to think those halfbacks uh, that have got the pressure of the small forward on them um, probably uh, have a little bit more heat and inside. So, yeah, SPP. Okay, now, uh, who won more games as Port Adelaide's senior coach, Matthew Primus or John Cahill? Uh, well, John Cahill, uh, he only coached for a couple of seasons, uh, and I know we uh, we won 11 games in our first year, and I don't think Matthew Primus won 11 games in his coaching career, so I'm going to go with John Cahill. John Cahill did have a few more. Uh, Primus coached. 47 games and he had 13 wins and Cahill coached 46 games and had 19 wins and two draws. So yep. he did, he had six more wins. So good on you there. Last one. Are you, fami- oh, go are ahead. you familiar go. with John? Are you familiar with John Cahill's coaching record at the uh, SANFL level? No, I am not. to have a 10 time premiership coach uh, okay. for Port Adelaide at uh, SANFL level before we joined the AFL. So uh, yeah, 10, 10 premierships and I think wow. uh, another four, four grand finals. So, uh, okay. and, um, and widely regarded as one of Port, Ad- Port Adelaide's greatest players as well, was a very, very good player through the 60s okay. and 70s. And then a 10-time premiership coach, um, uh, very much the reason why our, our best and fairest is called the John Cale Medal. And that, I did not know that. I didn't know the name of the medal. Okay, so I, I, yeah. I learned something today. That's great. Last question I have for you tr- as far as the trivia. Uh, Port won their first AFL finals game against who in the year 2002? It's, um, it may have been Sydney. Uh, that's really stretching the memory now. 2002, Sydney, West Coast, Brisbane, I know uh, 2002, we, we got knocked out in the preliminary final. Um, and I think it was at the football park was that first win. That's, uh, that's got me, that's got me there. Um, okay. I'll throw, I'll, I'll, I'll go St. Kilda as a, as a, uh, as, as a guess. Okay. It was Essendon in the semifinal 83 to 59. Well, there you go. I, yeah. I, I, Hadn't worked my way through them at all. I know that uh, <laughs> that year really burns the the hurt for that one was the following week. I think um, mm-hmm. Sydney beat us. Sydney beat us here in Adelaide, which sent us on the long road to the to the grand final and ultimately uh, getting beaten in the prelim. And the first of our two years that I think probably were the the two years we really should have taken uh, taken the premiership home before we got there in 04. Yeah. Well, overall, you did pretty well. I think uh, you got most of the questions right. Um, I would have appreciated perhaps when the uh, disposal uh, disposal efficiency. If you could have pointed at your head again, I would have appreciated well, I, that. I, that would have made I, me I look a little bit better. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to do that. I 
I, I could have held up a sign and said, "Hey, I have I have three of them in my refrigerator right now." Uh, you know, green, green, three green peppers. I don't know if that would have helped out. <laughs> it wouldn't have hurt. Wouldn't have hurt. I don't. You know, it, it's you're thinking about you're running through the, the the list and going, "What the hell can you eat that I that they have three of there?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We got no apples. We got no pear. No. Pear. No. If it's a pear, that's everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great point. It yeah, that wasn't it at all. But uh, I'm trying. There is not another uh, food name I'm looking through here. Uh, no, there's not. Well, wines could have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah that could have been it. But yeah, well, uh, last thing before we go, um, did you get to spend uh, much time checking out the AFLW this year? I did. Yes, um, my uh, my wife. Um... Uh, we've been together uh, since late teenage years, so the best part of thirty years together. And she's shown very, very little interest in uh, football, whether it was when I was having a kick around at local level or at mm-hmm. AFL level with uh, following Port Adelaide. She really, um, yeah, um, it, t- take it or leave it, and she'd leave it more often than not. However, uh, she's embraced the uh, the AFLW and Port Adelaide's entry uh, this year, our first season in the AFLW Terrific. competition, and. Um, we're only walking distance from our home base at Albert and Oval. We're mm-hmm. only one kilometre away. So we, um, yeah, we, we took on uh, both the uh, wife and myself's uh, memberships and went around, uh, walked around most uh, most games. I think we only missed uh, one home game this year. And uh, yeah, she uh, absolutely loved it. Um, Outstanding. Uh, she says that uh, just being a little bit uh, a little bit slower, it's a bit easier to keep up with. She mm-hmm. um, she finds the 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 frenetic pace of the men's game a bit hard to to follow. So she uh, yeah certainly embraced it. Which um, as I said, being together for as long as we have, uh, once she got involved and was happy to go along, I, I, I was obliged to do the same. So well, yeah, I, I followed our AFLW closely and. Uh, our um, our best and fairest winner. Sorry to interrupt you there. Hannah Ewings uh, was our first draft pick in uh, in the draft and um, won our best and fairest and won the AFLW Rising Star Award mm-hmm. um, from uh, one of our other players whose name escapes me at this point. But uh, Hannah Ewings uh, is definitely a, a name to to remember and a, a star okay. of the AFLW to okay. to come. Yeah. Well, do you do you think that? Uh, yeah, I guess you're kind of in, the, in in a similar predicament. I can't get my wife to show any interest in footy, and I and I've mentioned this in other episodes of the podcast where I, I even went so far. I was so comfortable enough. I was comfortable enough in my manhood that I found several articles online that showed clubs training at the beach while they were all in their budgie smugglers, and I sent her links to those, <laughs> thinking. They don't wear much more than that during the course of the game. Just a little, you know, a little jumper and a pair of short shorts and didn't move the needle at all. So she has yet to watch. <laughs> um, but, you know, do you think you know, maybe a couple of years or a few years of watching the women's game as, as your wife gets more accustomed to it, that that might help garner an interest in the men's comp for her? Yeah, look, yeah, potentially. I, okay. I think so. Because I, um, I can always, I can always send those links to those articles to you as well if you want to share them. With yeah, it. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd appreciate, I'd appreciate it if you didn't. <laughs> no, I, I think um, as you have uh, the passion you have for your club, which is which is um, admirable and um, understandable. Um, once you fall in love with the club, you, you you truly fall in love, and I think that may also be part of the process for, for okay. her and potentially for your wife to to fall in love with not just the 
not just the game or the or the team, but the mm-hmm. the colours, the club, the 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 whole package that comes with being a, a a supporter of AFL football. And yeah, potentially that may that may grow on her to the point where her level of interest in the men's game increases because she's she's more you know in, invested uh, mm-hmm. and emotionally invested in in what's going on at the at the club and and how the team's going. Yeah. Well, and especially with you being as close as you are, because I know you, I remember you told me a couple of years, the, you know, the coffee story with you and Ken Hinckley, which, you yeah. know, I, I don't know if that's still going on anymore, but. Uh, yeah, look, we, I, I, I regularly see Matthew Richardson, the, the CEO and mm-hmm. um, several players pop in uh, of a morning and, uh, and have a chat with them and, and all of them are, are very candid. They're all very open there. Um, very approachable. Um, uh, yeah, Ken and uh, Matthew Richardson and Tom Jonas, all very approachable men. And yeah, you can see why they're in the positions they're in because they right. are, yeah, they're very approachable, very personable, um, quite candid in their conversations. And yeah, you can see why they're in the leadership roles that they're in. Their 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 um, uh, magnetism they that you you're drawn to them because there's if I'm not mistaken, aren't aren't there generally opportunities for the supporters to go to, to, to say Alberton to watch training and that type of thing. In fact, tomorrow morning, uh, there's an open training session tomorrow morning. Yeah. Uh, so the next maybe, three, yeah, maybe, the next three Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, maybe that's where, you know, you and your wife get a chance to go out on a, you know, an afternoon date to go watch the slower pace of the training. Yeah, uh, look, yeah, we have. Yeah. We've popped around. We've done okay, a couple cool. of uh, the the yeah the the ladies uh, the AFLW they train on uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, mm-hmm. and we've uh, yeah we've done a couple of uh, Wednesday night um, when it's uh, particularly during summer um, walk yeah. around and the uh, our um, our home base at Alberton's had a redevelopment and there's a, a nice big viewing deck that you can sit on with a cold drink and watch the girls train and we've done that a couple of times and uh, sort of made an evening of it, gone and had a meal and a couple of cold drinks watching the girls train and yeah. Yeah, that would been really enjoyable. That would that would be absolutely delightful to be able to do something like that. It, I mean, it just it just it's it's you know I think I I I'm I'm envious you know that 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 you're able to do that kind of thing because I would love to be able to to just go and sit and watch the club train. I mean, I see people post will post clips and such on on social media, which which is you know which is great to see. But it, it's it's very cool that you get to do that. So I mean, that's that is yeah, that's awesome. Is. That's awesome, and I, and I think I think what you said, club. It, it, that's the that's the the essence of a club. I think is is the people, the um, uh, the people who are the custodians at this point in time because mm-hmm. we all come and go. But the yeah, that the the essence of club and being able to share, um, yeah, you know, nights whether it be a sitting on the deck or sitting in the grandstand watching them train or you know getting autographs for the, your, your kids at a at an right, open right. session. That's the the essence of club and and what uh, what clubs do AFL clubs in particular do very yeah. well. I think that I think it's awesome. You know that the, the the sports leagues here in the U.S. they do this to a much smaller extent. Um, you know the baseball spring training, which is you know usually held in Arizona or Florida. Um, you know a lot of people will go on vacation there during spring training, but it's not something that you know that everybody is taking their kids to go see and that sort of thing so there there still is a little bit of you know separation there and and the nfl just, just happens indul- a little bit 
indulge one of my passions for a moment if we could i want to give a little shout out to liam hendricks um australian uh pitcher from perth in western australia who is a closer for the uh, my chicago white Sox. he um uh, was diagnosed with uh, non-hodgkin's lymphoma um mm-hmm. earlier this week and he's uh, uh up against uh, up against that and um probably face, facing the uh, the first um or a, a real fight um and uh yeah look i'm I, i'm sure this won't get to liam hendricks but um yeah Baseball over there is one of my passions, and the White Sox are my team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I love watching uh, watching when Liam Hendricks gets an opportunity to close out a game. And yeah, a bit of a a shout out and best wishes to him uh, with yeah. the with the fight, the the challenge that he's got at the moment. Do you know is he back in Australia or is he? No, I believe he's, he stayed there in the states. Yeah, okay. to to start his treatment program, okay. uh, which was yeah, it was only announced earlier this week. So uh, no doubt in the very infancy of that process, but uh, yeah, hopefully it all goes with, well for him and we can watch uh, watch the big Aussie uh, close out uh, more games in the future. Wish him the best. I ha- I I have to be honest. I'm too busy watching footy. I mean, I I grew up as a huge baseball fan, but I've not watched a game in over two years. Yep. It's just I, I'm I'm yeah, as frustrated as footy as footy fans who've been following the game their life their entire lives have gotten with like the stand rule and that type of thing and 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 different rules that have come into play. Um, I have become very frustrated with what Major League Baseball has done to itself. I, I think I honestly think that they are destroying a wonderful game. We, we've spoken time. before yeah. about yeah. how it's, disenchanted it's you are with the it's frustrating how disenchanted yeah. you are with with major league baseball and obviously at a, at a bit of a distance and and being a relative newcomer to i guess my whilst i've been following the game for a long time it's probably only over the last five to seven years that i've really become invested mm-hmm. um probably don't have quite the depth of understanding that that you do um but uh and yeah it's uh, there's a there's a lot of baseball when baseball's on so it's pretty difficult to keep right. up with right and there's a lot of footy when baseball is on too. So I mean, it, and I and I feel, <laughs> and I felt, you know, I felt guilty, you know, with the with the second women's season this year in the AFLW, because it's it's right it it it's occurring right when I am busy with all of my announcing duties that I have for for the the opening part of the school year. So I mean, I I'm at the stadium announcing two or three, four nights a week during the course of that time. Plus, you know, with the school, with the school work and such, yep. the previous, the previous 2022 season, the first one that happened in, in the, uh, well, in January, um, I, I watched every AFLW game that, that season. I think I saw maybe a quarter of the games in the one that started in August this year. And I, I feel yep. guilty about that, but it's, it's, I just, I, there just were not enough hours in the day for it for me. Yeah, right. it's a move. The, it's a move the AFLW had to make because playing right, right. Pl- playing through January, February, March in the Australian summer was just yeah. outrageous. Playing games in 35, 40 degrees, um, just unfair on the on the athletes, and uh, they had to make the move that they did. And and I think um, going forward, as that competition grows and gets expanded, mm-hmm. they're, they're playing at the right time of the year. Unless they, you know, unless they were able, you know, and again, I don't know enough about the different grounds where they play, but if they if they put lights up at those stadiums, at those, those grounds and, you know, played at nighttime, you might, what, knock off 10 or 12 degrees of, of heat. You would might indeed. Make it a little you bit would, more but palatable, but, but prob- it's, probably doesn't work for the broadcasters. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Hey, yeah. David, thanks for your time today, man. I know you've got things you've got to move on to today. I appreciate you taking time out of your morning. This was absolutely wonderful. Uh, you are number one out of 18 because I'm going to get a Richmond 
group on this year. I didn't get a Richmond supporter or a podcast on this last year for the previews, but I'm going to get one this year. Well, mate, I, look, I'm more than uh, more than happy to chat with you whenever you like. Um, uh, really appreciate you giving me the opportunity to have a chat. Um, your passion is uh, uh, unbridled, and it's um, and it is uh, infectious. Your uh, your level of uh, interest in our game and the work you put in, um, yeah, credit to you. And uh, yeah, um, I can't wish you that much success this year. I well, think. Uh, yeah, oh, as, as I'm gonna. <laughs> As I'm going to say to you in a moment, for 20, 20 out of 22 games, I wish you all the best. Indeed. Likewise. <laughs> and thanks for, ha- thanks for having me on. All right, David, man. Hey, have a great week, uh, rest of your week, and have a great uh, weekend as well, man. Thanks. Thank you, Cheers, man. Cheers, the pair. Yep, sir. All righty. Bye-bye. <laughs> all right, David. Thanks so very much for taking time out of your uh, day to sit down and chat with me, man. You, as I said before, have been a terrific friend of the podcast. I cannot thank you enough. And everybody, I do hope you check out the Corn the Pear podcast. I will put the link to the podcast in the show notes so you can uh, find that there and uh, give that one a listen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, remember, you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, yankonthefooty.com. You can get on the mailing list there. You can leave a review. If you like the show and you want to help it out, that's a great way to do it, is leaving a five-star over on Apple Podcasts or even right over on my website. You, You can do it there. Or you can actually go directly to Apple Podcasts from my website. And if you want to help out the show financially, I don't have a Patreon or anything like that. I don't have any episodes that are behind paywalls. But if you want to help keep the lights on and keep this thing moving forward, you can click on that button on the bottom left-hand corner, that Buy Me a Coffee button there, or check out some of the stuff in my uh, store page if you're interested in that sort of thing. Maybe put a sticker in the, uh, the back window of your ute. Now, ladies and gentlemen... Again, if you're on that mailing list, new episodes will come to you as soon as they get released. And I will have a lot of them coming to you. As of this moment, uh, as I'm releasing this one, I have 16 of the 18 preview episodes already recorded. I'm going to be working on editing those, and I'm going to be releasing them as I have conducted the interviews. So I have everyone done except for GWS and Adelaide at this point. And I have the Adelaide one scheduled And GWS, I believe I should have scheduled, hopefully this weekend, and we'll get that one done in the next few days. Now, also, if you haven't uh, heard in a previous episode, I am doing a series of episodes uh, on why NFL fans would love the AFL. And I've done, I believe, five or six interviews on that topic as well trying to encourage American NFL fans to check out what I think is the greatest game on the planet and what many of you think is the greatest game on the planet as well. So I cannot wait to bring those to you. I want to get the preview episodes out and in your uh, inbox and available to you before I do that because I do plan on doing a few more of those and I'm really looking forward to sharing those with uh, NFL fans here, hoping to grow interest in the game here in the United States. Ladies and gentlemen, look out for one another. Check in with your friends. Make sure they're okay. We've all got uh, things that we're dealing with that maybe other people don't know about, but don't hesitate to reach out. Tell people you love them. Let them know that you care. Make sure they're all right. Take them out for a coffee. Take them out for a beer. Whatever, Whatever you need to do. Get some chips. Go to KFC. Whatever the case may be. Okay? But tell them you love them. Make sure you let them know that you care. And folks, again... I thank you for the kind words. 
the continued support. If you would share the podcast with your friends and family that maybe haven't checked it out yet, put it out there on your socials, it'd be a huge help. We truly, truly appreciate that. And as always, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later, and it's actually going to be very soon. This has been episode 225 of A Yank on the Footy. Again, don't forget that you can reach me on Twitter at yank underscore on or at A Yank on the Footy podcast over on Facebook or at A Yank on the Footy on Instagram or by email at a yank on the footy gmail.com. Of course, all those links are in the show notes. And if you head over to my website, ayankonthefooty.com, you can find everything related to the podcast there as well. I thank you for listening. And until next time, everybody, this is Craig Wessels. Goodbye. And again, David, thanks so very much, man. I truly, truly appreciate it.